there is something like super profound about the simple act of knowing or being known by someone else, right? Let's just call that knownness for a second. Knownness is a great gift. Just think about for a second, a person uh, being in their presence, like call their mind, uh, call their face and person to mind. Uh, someone that like knows you super well, you know them super well. I'm curious like how that feels when you think of them. Uh, like for me, uh, it feels like home or like safety. It feels like the kind of like peaceful, no pressure, just hanging out. That's like my favorite thing in the world to do. That's the gift, I believe, of knownness. And we believe that that, that little simple thing right there is a gift from God, that it's a reflection of how God wants to interact with us, right? That the God of the universe and all that's in it, the profound claim that we make is that the God of the universe and all that's in it knows us by name and wants to be known by us. And that that simple thing has the capacity to change our entire life if we'll let it. And that's why we're going to spend uh, not just last week and this week, but the next few weeks looking throughout scripture uh, for examples where this takes place, pressing ourselves hopefully uh, into a place of vital faith, actively pursuing a relationship with a God who is actively pursuing a relationship with us. With us. Um, Today, I want to look at uh, the story of Zacchaeus, right? And maybe you know the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, maybe you know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Now, um, this story is always a remarkable one because Zacchaeus and Jesus clearly did not have a relationship before. But Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. Knowing someone's name is important, right? When I was born, uh, my parents gave me a name. My family gave me a name. That name is Owen. Uh, Owen was like the 18th most popular name in 22. But back in, you know, 1981, the year of our Lord, 1981 uh, of my birth, uh, it was the like 431st most popular name in the U.S. So uh, we were like, Owens were at our lowest point since the Renaissance uh, is basically where we were sitting. Uh, and thanks to, I think, the Party of Five, uh, maybe it's been a while since you heard a, a Party of Five reference, uh, from 94 until 2000, while that show was, uh, was airing, uh, we climbed 300 points. Way to go, Owens. I would like to believe it was me, but it may, it may have just been a character on a television show. You know, I don't know how that happens, but there you go. Um, on my shelf, as long as I can remember, there's a book, uh, The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. It was a book by Shel Silverstein, and it's awesome. I reference it all the time. If you've not read it, it's worth finding a version of it and reading it yourself. Uh, but that's what my family called me, The Big O. Uh, to this day, that's what they call me. Um, and I love that name. Uh, that name felt like a good name, felt like a safe name. I was a tiny kid. I mean a tiny, tiny child. Uh, and so I think there was probably something like confidence boosting in me that, you know, my family thinks of me as the big O. That makes me feel great about life. Um, but uh, it was just a family nickname, right? Um, there was a kid in elementary school who called me by a different name, a name that I, I did not prefer. Um, I'm going to tell you what he called me. You're not allowed to use it against me. It's not actually a bad name. It was more like how he said it. Um, he called me Owen Wheelbarrow. My last name is Barrow, Owen Wheelbarrow. And I did not like that at all. It made me feel small. Um, it made me feel like I was being made fun of. It made me feel picked on. And, um, it made me feel sad, honestly, and bad about myself. And I told him, I do not like it when you call me that. And he did 
not seem to care. Uh, and uh, it actually just encouraged him to go tell some of his friends to call me that as well. Uh, and even to this day, there's like some part of little elementary school, Owen, that lives right here. Even as I'm telling you this, I can feel, I can feel it in my, uh, in kind of the, the core of my, it doesn't matter whether you're seven or 70, uh, like what people call you is, is important. It's important. Um, and, and Zacchaeus was living that same reality, right? Uh, when Jesus shows up and says his name, um, like there's more to the story. There's more to the story that's going on. Here's the part that's in the song, right? Um, Jesus entered Jericho, that's the town where they were, and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. That's important. Hold on to that data. He was trying to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, or hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus. And then this does not make it into the song. But this is why we sing the song. All who saw it began to grumble and said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. That's the backstory on Zacchaeus. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was despised by everyone in his community. Um, they, they knew of, they knew about Zacchaeus. Um, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a tax collector. Now, just to understand tax collectors for a second, the Roman Empire, which is this big, bad empire, kind of taken over all the surrounding areas, including the Holy Land, where this is taking place in Jericho. And the people of God residing in that area um, lost a lot of power and autonomy and authority to live the way they believe God was calling them to live in their place that they believed God gave them because it was now occupied by a foreign force. And the Roman Empire, in order to finance its vast operations, military might, lavish things for all of its leaders, um, would tax, just tax people to death. Um, and they would put local people, like lean on them, and put them in the place of, of collecting those taxes. And oftentimes local folks would rely on the Roman Empire, like they would step into that role because they thought that it was going to give them some sort of prestige or access to power or wealth or whatever it might be. Um, and so uh, local folks, and in particular here, the Jewish people believed that Zacchaeus had kind of turned his back on the people of God by becoming a part of this occupying force, right? He was attaching himself to a different king and to a different kingdom. So he was too Roman to be Jewish. What was also happening to tax collectors at the time, particularly in places like this, is that, you know, he was still from there, right? He wasn't Roman. He wasn't like a purebred Roman. And so he was too Jewish to be Roman. And so tax collectors were often caught in this middle ground, kind of despised by, by both people, right? A person with no place, no identity. And in order to kind of make a living, um, what they would do is they would take more than they needed to take from their friends and neighbors, and they would give less than they were required to give to the Roman Empire. 
And Zacchaeus was clearly very good at this because it says that he was a chief tax collector. And we know exactly what he was doing because it says that he was rich. And that's the person that Jesus called out of the tree and in front of everyone said, I'd like to go to your house. And that's why everyone was grumbling. He was mutually despised by everyone. Everyone knew of Zacchaeus. Everyone knew about Zacchaeus. Even the Bible picks up on this and makes fun of him for being short. Like it's captured in the words of scripture, according to slanderous terms that people would use to talk about Zacchaeus. But Jesus didn't talk about Zacchaeus or know of Zacchaeus. Jesus called him by name, called him out. Now, I always figured that that was the remarkable part of the story, that Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name even though they had never met before. But something happened in that moment, right? What we just read was the first half of the story. Then this thing happens. Jesus calls him out, calls him by name. And then the second half of the story transpires. Here's the second half of the story. So it says, so Zacchaeus hurried down, was happy to welcome him. All who saw it grumbled. And they said, Jesus is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. It says, Zacchaeus stood there. Where is there? I don't know. I think it's clear they went to the house. I don't know if this all took place at Zacchaeus's kitchen table. If they came back and Jesus is now talking publicly to all who have gathered to see now that Jesus has returned from Zacchaeus's house. I don't know where they were standing. But it says, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, since he has defrauded plenty of people of plenty of things, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because he too, now see he's speaking in third person, so it makes me think that like other people are listening to Jesus say this. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus, has come to seek out and to save the lost. We get this radical turnaround, right, in the story. We go from, from Zacchaeus being a despised, rich, chief tax collector to all of a sudden salvation has come to his house. You know, he's ch- turned his life around. Like how do we get from the first part of this story to the second part? Let me give you this bit of interesting knowledge. The name Zacchaeus means purity or virtuous. And names in scripture, they all matter. They have a meaning. That meaning is important to whatever is going on. Zacchaeus Zacchaeus means purity or virtuous, which is basically everything that Zacchaeus was not. Now, I never want to read too much into a story in scripture that's not inviting us to do that, right? That's We always run the risk then of putting our kind of stuff into scripture versus asking scripture to put like its, you know, commandments or whatever into us. So we want to make sure we're reading in the right direction. Having said that, it seems to me that the key part of this story is that Jesus calls this dude out of the tree by name. And that thing happens in between the Zacchaeus that was and the Zacchaeus that is becoming right? And and so I have to wonder, I have to wonder if while everybody else knew of Zacchaeus and knew about Zacchaeus, that Jesus actually knew the real Zacchaeus, called him by name, called him 
by not the names that everyone had given him to define the person that he had kind of become. But Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was made to be, had been called to be, and called him by that name. In a sense, held a mirror up to Zacchaeus and said to him, this is how I see you. And I believe that it is very likely that thing that had the power to change his heart, to change his life. And honestly, I say that not just because of what I see in scripture, but I say that because of what I see all the time, not just in my own life, but over and over again in ministry. Too many times to count. Like when when we have an encounter with a living God, when we come to know the God who knows us, this is exactly the type of thing that happens over and over and over again. This is exactly what an encounter with God can be, does in us. It creates a moment of change, a moment of significance. It's like a moment that kind of holds up a mirror and for the first time we can see ourselves as God sees us, who we were created and are being called to be. And that thing right there, that thing right there, knowing and like being known rightly, being known as we actually are by God, this unconditional belonging has the power to change us. It reminds us of who and whose we are, right? We get this uh, unconditional belonging, restored identity. We talked about this last week, if you're with us. We talked about Moses, where God calls to Moses out of a bush, Moses, Moses. And we talked about how God knowing um, Moses' name and then giving Moses God's name gave him unconditional belonging, gave him restored identity and a clarified purpose. You can go back and check it out from last week. The same thing happens here. Once Zacchaeus realized and saw what Jesus saw and knew about him, he had a reorienting experience. He had unconditional belonging, restored identity. And out of those two things, we see this clarified purpose. We see a new and beautiful Zacchaeus emerge, a Zacchaeus as he was intended to be, as he was created and called to be. This, this is the transformative power of a relationship with Jesus. It always leads us to healing and to wholeness. We know that authentic relationships lead to authentic lives. We're going to continue to unpack that phrase, but over and over again, that's what we see. When when we have authentic relationships with others, we're able to live lives in line with who we have been created and are being called to be. This is the power of knownness that we are known and can know God, and that we are known by and can know one another. These things are all connected. They're all connected. It's all a gift of God. And and this is why last week, and again this week, I will reiterate, we are making the challenge to uh, our church family here to know and to be known. Um, here's, Here's how we say it. We want to invite every person to know and to be known within our church family, developing deeper relationships with God, and with with each other. And that's important. It's not just to know and be known by each other, right? Uh, We cannot reflect the love of God until we have experienced the love of God. We can't show the love of God until we know the love of God. Our goal out of that is to have 400 people commit to cultivating six new meaningful relationships over the course of the next year. That's just one little round table full of people. And they don't all have to be like your six new best friends for life. Um, They could be strong ties or weak ties. We talked about that last week. Uh, But we believe that knowing and being known has the power to change our life. Knowing and being known by each other 
has the power to teach us and to remind us that we are known and can know God and vice versa. So this is the challenge uh, that we're putting before you. So I want to invite you, I want to invite you to press into and to build a vital faith, one that actively pursues a relationship with God who is busy actively pursuing a relationship with you. How beautiful is it that the God of the universe, of all that is, seen and unseen, knows you by name? Let's pray together. Almighty God, Almighty God, maker of all that is, all that was and all that will be, you know us, you know us by name, by our real name, our true name, not what other people call us, not what we've become, but who we are, who you made us to be, who you're calling us to be. We ask that you restore that image in us that you would hold up a mirror to us so that we can see ourselves clearly the way that you see us. And that as we do, you would give us the grace to go through the same reorienting goodness that Zacchaeus experienced. That we could become the people you have created and are calling us to be. Or we are grateful that you know us and we, we want to know you. We want to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, we'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fvumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us uh, whether that's uh, connecting in sort of an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, so we'd love to invite you to join us for those. Uh, if this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else, while you're there at the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says give, or you can go to fvumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment. And we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.